0: Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Yeah, Uh, so this morning, um, yeah, I'll do it later. They're waving the buckets at me. Do you guys know what it means to tithe? then do it. You know why? Not because I said so. Jesus said so. So I didn't do it first service and uh, everyone was like waving the buckets after uh, when I got done with communion. I'm like, we've been doing this for like two years of not passing buckets. There are boxes in the, in the foyer and there's buckets in the back. Do what you're supposed to do and tithe. Yeah. And if you feel bad about how I approach that, take it up with Jesus. Right. And we're going to talk about joy. Okay. So the last couple of weeks, um, pastor has talked, we're, we're, in Advent, which means we're, we're teaching on specific things, hope, peace, joy, and love. And then Christmas Eve, we'll light the Christ candle, which is the white candle, um, And and so these last couple of weeks um, have obviously been on that topic. Um, I I wanted to kind of just rehash some. I was thinking, obviously, about joy, but I was also thinking about hope and peace and how they all. I I don't know if you know this, but you can't separate hope and joy. It's an impossible thing. It's just I've I've never you just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. So Romans five, three through five talks about hope. Um, I'm going to read a, a scripture on peace, and I'm going to talk about hope, peace, joy, and love the entire time, focusing specifically on joy. I love Romans 5, 3-5. It is one of my very favorite verses, and, and I'll kind of maybe explain why. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I, I, that first line is perfect, because no one... Rejoice is to joy in God. Okay? To, to rejoice is to joy in God. We are joying in God in regards to our sufferings. But no one really likes to do that, do we? No one's really interested in going through sufferings. We, we want the scripture that says I have a free and light life, right? But this says, we are to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. You know what endurance means? Endurance means I can outlast you a little longer. I can go a little longer. I can go a little longer. I got this buddy his name is Matt Elliott, and he lives down in New Mexico, and he hunts um, down in New Mexico. And I don't know if you know this, and if you don't, well, I'll teach you something. Hunting in Kansas, specifically deer hunting, and hunting in New Mexico are two different things. Okay? In Kansas, you sit in the blind and you let the deer come to you. That's smart. In New Mexico, you got to walk to them, which is dumb. Now you're not talking like Kansas walk. I'm in the mountains. Thousands of acres. You can just walk and you don't see deer down there. No, no thank you. Who agreed with me? Yeah, you don't. They're supposed to be there. They're just not. <laughs> I got this buddy um, who like he lives for this time of year and he has what we call next Ridge syndrome. And what that is, is you get up, um, when you go hunting, uh, out there, the, the idea is to glass and find them. And it's called spot and stock hunting, right? You spot them, you stock them, you kill them if the animals are there and they never are for four years, I'm not counting. Um, and he said, so, so we'll get up there and we'll be glassing and like It's a perfect spot. At some point in time, we'll see movement, but not for Matt. Matt is always interested in what's on the next ridge. Next ridge. Next ridge. Next ridge. And you get done with the hunt and you realize that over the course of a handful of days, you've walked 32 miles and in the mountains. Do I look like a guy who can walk 32 miles in the mountains? Very well. But Matt can. Why? Matt has built up his endurance. We are to build our endurance knowing that endurance produces character. I, I, I learned this the hard way my freshman year in college at Butler. Um, I, was, I was not very rejoicing in my suffering, but a little, little tidbit of information when it comes to Juco baseball, you are not a person, you are a piece of meat. And their goal is to make you good so they look good and they can continue to get paid of what you are not. Yeah. I learned what it meant to suffer, but by the end of that year, I could run five miles way faster than any of you. I can't anymore, but I could. I think that there are a lot of times in our life where we just look at running five miles in 13 minutes or getting to the next ridge as just an experience in life. And yet Jesus will teach you something about scriptures in those things. And and hunting and baseball may not be interesting to you at all. You may say, I'm already checked out of this sermon. But for me, I I think you have to understand Jesus works in our lives in such a way that it makes sense to us, right? If the Bible, the scripture was always up here and we were never able to quite understand it, we would not read it. Now, my next question is how many guys read your Bible? Yeah, it's fantastic. There are young people in this room that I'm trying to say, this is what it means. This is so you can you can take a bite out of it. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. The old is gone and the new is, is here. Right? I'll never forget when that scripture took on a life of its own for me. It was the first time I ever read this book, and I was like, this makes sense. See, Jesus comes into our lives and says, listen, I know it doesn't really quite make sense to rejoice in your sufferings, but I'll show you what it looks like. It looks like running five miles way too fast, puking on the way just to try and get it to get to the line on, on the right time. Now, listen, I didn't learn that lesson until many years afterwards. In fact, I don't know if you quite understand, at least in my life, the grace that is on my life. I always see after the fact you ever notice that. Like you get through the valley of the shadow of death and you're like, grace was right there. Dang it, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, 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 you saw it. See, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus isn't necessarily teaching you lessons for right now. He's teaching you lessons for five years. So when I got boys who are sitting at the altar just trying to figure this out, letting them have a conversation with me instead of me forcing, hey, what are you, what's going on? They'll talk to me about this. God gives you experiences in your life to say, well, have you thought about this? Oh, this is why I love, 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 love sitting with grandparents. Because they'll say things, even, even your parents, I'll give you credit. <laughs> but you sit with your grandma who has lived a great life. She's a great woman of God. And she just says something. And you're like, and she has no idea. But there's an anointing on my grandma's life. There's an anointing on Grandma Cindy. There's an anointing that you just sit and listen. and You're like, but sometimes we take these things for granted or we don't pay attention to the fact that God is is right there. He, he, he taught me something. I'm not getting very far in my sermon. I apologize. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character. Produces hope, And you need to understand that the hope that we have in Jesus does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame. It does not end. The hope that we have in Jesus is forever. The hope that we have in Jesus is eternal. The hope that we have in Jesus is today, tomorrow, the next day. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides in each and every single one of us. Philippians 4, 7 says, "In the peace of God which surpasses all understanding... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The peace that surpasses all understanding. This is what we have in a relationship with God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. We do not live in a very peaceful world today. I don't know if you've noticed. But Jesus says, I need you to understand something. The hope that I give you will never put you to shame. And the peace that I give you Surpasses all understanding you may have. Surpasses all understanding that you may come in contact with. The peace that I give you is more than enough. The peace. I bet you it's pretty hard to be peaceful for people in Maryville, Kentucky, or Maryfield, Kentucky, whatever. Whatever. But does that mean that God's not there? It doesn't, does it? I actually believe that God's probably even more in the midst of it. I I read, uh, you're going to judge me, judge all you want. I watched a TikTok yesterday, and there's a dude bawling his eyes out. He He lost everything. He said, you know, if you've not watched TikTok, they're only like a minute long. In this very quick minute, he's crying, saying, for the first time in four years, I prayed. And the only way I got made it out of that was through prayer. Now, you may say, as the cynical Christian, yeah, see, you just only need God when you want him. And I say, God's glory was all over that. And that man will be changed because he said, I'm at the end of my rope, which is where we've all come at some point in time. And we said, Jesus, I need some help. That guy just did it through a tornado. Why judge him? Holy cow. Yes, that is exactly what you need to be praying in the midst of hell. Because that's what it is that we go through. There is peace in Kentucky this morning. It is our job, you and I's job, though we may not be traveling to Kentucky anytime soon, to show what that peace looks like. To show what that hope looks like. You may have lost everything, but there is a hope in Jesus. There is a hope in Jesus that will not put you to shame. There is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Do you know what it means to abound? I've preached on this a lot. I don't know if you have ever paid attention necessarily, but to abound is to overflow. You have more hope than you need. Why? Because it's not my hope to keep. There are people probably even sitting in the sanctuary this morning that need the hope. I'm not talking about well wishes. I'm talking about hope that changes your perspective. I'm not talking about peace that just is a big, deep breath when the kids go to sleep because there's some peace there, let me tell you. But I'm talking about a peace that surpasses all understanding. When my world is crazy, God is still good. And he will fill you with all joy and peace that you would have more than enough. John 15, 11 says, the things I have spoken to you or these, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus Speaking, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Which means I don't have to muster up some sort of religious experience for me to be joyful. Jesus says you're in relationship with me. I give you my joy. And FYI, I give you my joy to the fullest. I am a God of more than enough. Let me prove it to you because there is joy for you this morning. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not understand how it's coming. And I'm sitting here standing right in front of you right now saying Jesus himself said, I will give you my joy. The joy you have is not of this world. I'm not talking about happiness this morning. Happiness has to do with things. Happiness has to do with moments in time. Those moments in time are fleeting. They move quickly. I'm talking about a joy that is sustaining day in and day out, even in the midst of hell. uh, Henley, I genuinely believe I told First Service this, and you parents, I think, will agree with me. Like one of the biggest blessings I have to my walk with faith is my kids. My kids are blessings. They're great. And I love them. But they, God has used them to teach me more about who he is than I think I've ever done for them. Henley, you go a couple of weeks ago against our better judgment because it's close to Christmas. We bought Henley a toy. And I... House is a fraternity. Like it's it's just a mess all the time. I feel sorry for Heather, actually. Like I was looking This is way off topic, but like we cleaned our house so well on Thursday. And Friday, like I'm sorry, baby. Like I know you want a clean house. I don't know what to do. And I'm part of the problem, right? Like, anyhow, 's sad. We buy Henley this toy, and I'm not quite sure what happened between Walmart and home, which is just a couple of miles, but the toy broke. Now, Henley and Walmart needed this toy. Like, everything about this toy was, like, what Henley desired, right? This toy was going to complete him. You remember Jerry Maguire? Like, it was... This toy was going to complete Henley. He had to have this toy. He could not wait for Christmas. Like he just needed to. And in the midst of just trying to get out of Walmart, we buy the toy. And by the time we get home, it's broken. And he wants us to throw it away. And I have never been so close to snapping his neck. <laughs> if you're watching this on the doohickey, I'm completely joking. But I was not happy. <laughs> and again, is a perfect sermon illustration to, to use the, the difference between happiness, momentary, and joy ever-sustaining. We live our lives based off of if I could just get that raise, if I could get that bonus, if I, could, if I could get that job, if I could be in that relationship, if I could get that car, if I could do this or I could do that, if I could get that guitar, the, that, that um, Hezekiah... Um, wants a a new drum set. This guy is nine years old and he's already got like two of them. What do you need another drum set for? Hampton wants a 270, a gun, to shoot deer with. Like, I got one, you don't need one. (laughs) No, but I want my own. Dad, I just need this gun. No. No, you don't, you can use this one. But no, Dad. Like we think these things in our lives will bring joy to us. It's, it's, it's a, uh, a, stat and I, I can't tell you where it's at I just heard it. And every stat is like made up on the spot anyway. Right. So, um, I just heard this stat the other day. It was like anything, anybody like everyone wants a million dollar paycheck, but nothing like over like $70,000 is actually going to change your life anymore. You know, when it comes to happiness, when it comes to joy, when it comes to the things that you want to buy, Everyone's like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to be a, a, a millionaire bull rider or something like that. I don't know. I watched the NFR last night. Sorry. <laughs> if you don't know what the NFR is, it's a national finals rodeo. It's a thing. There's a difference between happiness and joy. I believe with all that I am that there's a consistent side that we inconsistently see. A consistent side to life that we inconsistently see. And that consistent side to life is full of joy. But because we're inconsistent in our relationship with Jesus, we're inconsistent in the ability to see that joy is full always, every single day, every moment. We have this idea that a good thing has to have a shelf life. And I'm not talking about the toy. I'm talking about joy. Joy, the, the joy that I'm speaking of that is day in and day out always, no matter what, that has been given to us through Jesus we sit and look at that and are like, yeah, you know, that's a good idea, but it's, that's too much of a good thing. It has to have a shelf life. It can't happen that long. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This is exact. I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. I, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. I will love you with a, a, a love that never fails. This is who I am. Psalm 34 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus doesn't fill our. Jesus doesn't come to our lives, come into our lives, and say, "I'll give you a momentary joy." No, He says, "I want you daily to taste and see that, that I am good." And blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. John ten ten. The enemy has come to still kill and destroy. Listen, we we got that, but I need you to understand. I've come to give you life, and give you life abundantly. I need you to taste and see that I am good. I need you to understand by tasting and seeing that I am good, you will understand that there there is a joy that will sustain you. There is a hope that will sustain you. There is a peace that surpasses actual all understanding. I don't know about you, but I don't read those two scriptures as passive scriptures to taste and see and to know that he wants to live us a life full of abundance we don't serve a passive God. We serve a God that makes things happen. And sometimes in the most interesting of ways, right? He sends a son as a baby. It's kind of odd. Where are you going, Jesus? Until you realize that it's, it's important that he grows up amongst us. Until you realize that relationship, that's what this is about, not knowing how much scripture, right? And you, and you get to know who Jesus is. And Jesus comes into his ministry and starts teaching things. They're like, wait a second, I can have hope? Wait a second, you want to sit with me? Wait a second, you don't understand the sin in my life? He said, no, 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 I, I love you. No, 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 I, I, want to be, I want to be with you. God is a not a passive God. God is interesting and, uh, interested in doing things. He's, he's interested in, in, in moving forward. So if God is a non-passive God, then how is it that I'm passive? I believe God is constantly showing us his glory, constantly showing us his joy. But the question I have for you this morning is, are you even looking for it? Or do we just look at life as a coincidence? And every once in a while, God does something cool. I I learned this this lesson in one of the more profound ways um, just a couple of weeks ago. I told you about my buddy Matt in New Mexico. I took my oldest son Hampton on, on a hunt and it's 12 hours down there. I'm spending all week long with him. Like I'm, I'm very intentional. I want to be more intentional than I ever have been uh, with Hampton in, in our conversations and, and what he thinks and how, and, and how we're growing in our relationship. And we have a great conversation on the way down there. And, and Hampton is, is, he is a hunter through and through. He knows how to handle a gun. He's probably safer than most adults in here. like, like this is what he loves. This is what he, he wants to do. This is a dream hunt for him. and so our, we set our alarm clock for 5 a.m. He was up at 4.30, dressed and ready to go. Like, we're, we're on the way out there. We get to the spot that we're going to glass. Glass means look through binoculars. And we got thousands of acres. And the sun is coming up. And if you know anything about me, it's like outdoors is my jam, right? And I am standing, like, from me to Cameron. And, and Hampton is looking up at the, the mountain. And I have this aha moment. This is the glory of God. See, God will do some really cool things in your life, but we know God to be a God who uses ordinary things for extraordinary experiences. And while some people would just look at the, the, we got to go on a hunt and he got to carry a gun and we were looking for mule deer and we were doing all these things. Hampton was in awe, but he had no idea what he was allowing me to experience to see the glory of God who is standing in front of me. And I'm not saying you got to go to New Mexico on a mule deer hunt to, to discover the glory of God. I'm saying that these moments happen in our daily lives every single day. I see Hampton, I see the sunrise, I see the mountain. I hate New Mexico, if I'm honest. New Mexico is out to kill you. Everything, the cactus, the animals, like everything. But for a moment, God impresses upon me, oh my goodness, this is your glory. This is your joy. You don't have to go to New Mexico to, to experience this. I was driving downtown the other day. I don't do that very often because I live on this side of town. And for whatever reason, two miles is way too long. But I was down there and I saw this mural that had been painted. And it's secular in nature, but it glorifies God because look, and being able to look around, that we are the image bearers of the glory of God. We are carriers of this glory but the people that we come in contact with, with, if they don't think or they don't look or they don't act the way that we act, then we can't show love. There is glory happening around us all the time. Have you ever seen two kids learn to become friends? There is joy in that. Why? Because there, there's a reason the Bible says that our faith should be childlike. They don't care, Right? They wanna know, that you look around my age and I look around your age, you wanna be friends? Like that's one of the best questions ever, right? To, to, to see your child go up to another and say, hey, you wanna be friends? Like when was the last time you went up to someone and said, you wanna be my friend? And you don't do it because it's awkward, right? And yet the, there's something magical about two kids learning to work together. Y- you guys may be looking at me saying, you have lost your mind and I'm saying, I'm okay with it because that's joy and I'm sick and tired of just being getting by on happiness. I want to understand what it means to be full of Jesus's joy every single day. I want to understand what it means to be a person filled with hope, filled with peace in the chaos of a world, to be able to speak into people's lives, not because I am anything a big deal. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus is doing in our lives. There is a hope and a peace and a joy that this world needs, and he's given it to us already. It's with you right now. This isn't something you have to get to. You don't have to become a pastor to get. You don't have to be saved from more. Jesus says. You want to be in a relationship? He is that kid, that six-year-old. And hey, you want to be my friend? Jesus is not above being awkward. That's a tweetable comment. And there's a lot to unpack there. But he is okay with sitting down with a prostitute that no one else would saying, Hey man, or girl, it's okay. Get up. I love you. We're sitting with Zacchaeus, the short little dude, right? No one liked him. By the time he left Zacchaeus's house, Zacchaeus was a changed man. He said, I'm a payback double. Why? I I, I met this dude named Jesus. He asked me to be my friend. It's weird. Jesus is not too big for you to come in contact with. And there are people in your life, you may already know that, someone in your life doesn't. We are to be carriers of this joy. It's already been given to us. We don't have to rise to the occasion. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen good to see you again. I've been with you this entire time. I don't know if you know that. I know it's a little awkward, but I love you. Here's my joy. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and nothing, no sickness, no failure, no depression, no oppression, or even death. has the ability to take it away from you, which means we can be unhappy and still be joyful. See, joy is not based off of your circumstances. Joy is based off of your response to the circumstance. James 1, 2, and 4, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We are inclined to think that when we are sad, we cannot be glad. But a life that is centered around God knows that joy and sorrow can exist together. This isn't always easy to understand, but if you were to think back on your life, think back on a tough time in your life, think back on the loss of a loved one or the loss of a friend, If you remember that time, there is definitely sorrow there. But if you think real hard, there's also joy. As I was writing and finishing my sermon yesterday, yesterday was the fifth anniversary of my grandfather passing away. My grandfather, um, you've heard me talk about him before. Um, My grandfather meant so much to my life, right? Um, And for three weeks... um, I watched in a, in a hospice house a man deteriorate from a disease that's not supposed to be on this earth. It was never created by God. God doesn't use this as a tool. I don't, if, 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 you think, if you think that, please come talk to me afterwards. We should, we should have that conversation. God doesn't use cancer to say, do, do you really love me? i us sidetrack really quick. I had a friend who lost a, a, um had a friend who had a friend who lost a 16-year-old son in a car accident um, this week. She's mad, and she just should be. It's fine. You were robbed. That's not God doing something to prove a point. You were robbed. You were robbed. No 16-year-old deserves to lose their life. You were robbed. There is immense sorrow in that moment. I watched my grandfather... um, Lie on a hospice bed um, and, and, you know, it, in the hellish ways, um, deteriorate from a, a, a cancer that's not supposed to be here. Right. Um, and there is much sorrow in that. I miss my grandfather dearly. Um, I've realized he's in a better place. All the, the, the things. Right. I get it. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I miss him dearly. And yet when I think back on that time, there was some there was some joyous moments. The sorrow was in the midst of it, yeah. But I'll never forget the day he passed. Going back, and then over the course of the next couple of days, sitting with my family, who, you know, it's family, and we all lead busy lives, right? And and it's always hard to get together, but for a, a window of time, we were all together. And if you know anything about my family, we make entirely way too much food for not that many people, and so we ate, and we sat, and we ate, and we talked, and we ate. And we looked at pictures and we told jokes. And and I, I, I can't tell you, and you probably wouldn't necessarily care, but um, even some of the stuff that happened in the hospice house, like with grandpa, it's like, it's just, there is joy even in the midst of sorrow. My grief, in some ways, is where I found that joy. So here's the thing with that, though. Nothing in our spiritual lives happens automatically. We don't come into, and I, I think we wish at, at times this did happen, but we don't come into a relationship. And, and I, I've talked, Jesus, Jesus gives us all of him, but we're not the six-year-old that needs a cup of water and wants dad to go get the cup of water. Like, joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Okay? Joy, is, joy has been given to us. But we have to choose that joy henley he's got two feet in a heartbeat to go get a cup of water but sometimes he wants dad to get that cup of water and sometimes i feel like we come into a relationship with jesus and we're like well if you really are that good right like we've all heard that if you really are who you say you are will you get that cup of water for me Well, joy is not a feeling joy is a choice we have to make a choice like i said a second ago this cannot be based off of our circumstances. Our, you can't control your circumstances. What, what's gonna, I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen in your life. But you do have the ability to choose joy in that. You have one of two options, right? You will allow the circumstance to dictate how you live the rest of your life. Now, I have no idea what that circumstance is necessarily, but you have a choice. Are you going to be resentful, a bitter old person, or are you going to allow that to be that 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 moment to be a source of gratitude for you, that you would grow old and become joyous? The reality of it is, is if you've ever been around someone with joy, like true joy, like you know those people that walk in the room, you're like, I need to know something about that individual. I don't really know why, but uh, I want to know. Joy is contagious. Not like pandemic contagious. Well, I guess you could probably say it like that. It's probably not the right way to say it. But joy, when you've ever been around a joyous person, you're like, I can't wait till I hang out with that person again. There's something about them. They see the world differently, right? They, 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 you, you could sit and talk about all the bad they were to remind you of the kids that learned how to play together. They're like, yeah, man, it, it's bad. You're right. But God is so good. No, but you don't understand what is what's going on in the world. Like an entire town and a whole bunch of people lost. Yeah, I know. But you know what? God will use bad things and turn them for his good. And I have no idea how he does it. My heart breaks for the people who lost, but let's see what God does do because he's going to move. Joy is contagious. It's those people, Henry Nowen said this, those who keep speaking about the sun while walking under a cloudy sky are the messengers of hope. We're supposed to be the people. Guys, this is a dark place out there. I don't know if you noticed. We're supposed to be the people talking about the sun. Even when you can't see it, you know it's there. Those are the messengers, the carriers of hope that will change people's lives. If you are here only to get something out of God, I think you missed the point of Christianity. Everything Jesus is, he's given to you. And he gave to you probably before you even said the quote-unquote sinner's prayer because he knows what's on your heart. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what's going on in your life. This is not yours to keep. You are to be contagious with joy and hope, peace and love. I'm not talking about optimism either. Optimism says, well, it'll be better tomorrow. The war will be over tomorrow. The depression will be over tomorrow. You'll be healed tomorrow. The pandemic will be over tomorrow. Joy does not come from positive predictions about the state of the world. It does not depend on the ups and downs of the circumstances of our lives. Joy is based on the spiritual knowledge that while the world is a dark place, God has overcome it. The real surprise is that God is light, and God's light is more real than the darkness. God's truth is more powerful than any lie. God's love is stronger than any death. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in you. Joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is something you have to choose. Joy definitely is contagious. And joy will never be separate from hope and peace. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers. And that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time mm